everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Moneyball Podcast. My name is Scott Wham, and I'm the Director of Compliance and Innovation here in the Philadelphia office for One Digital. And I'm really excited to be joined by my special guest today, Bob Simeone, who is the Senior Managing Principal for the Greater New York office of One Digital. It's a, it's a big job up there, and Bob, we're happy to have you. Why don't you take a second and introduce yourself? Awesome, Scott. Thanks uh, for having me on. And yeah, we're going to show today how Philly fans and New York fans can actually coexist. So <laughs> yeah, as Scott mentioned, so um, I am a senior managing principal of One Digital in our greater New York marketplace. We've got offices across the entire state and northern New Jersey. I spend most of my time in and around New York City. Uh, in my spare time, I'm on Long Island where I live with my family. And yeah, I'm a Mets fan and a Jets fan. That latter part's a little bit complicated, but maybe we'll get into it. Maybe we won't. Well, Bob, you know, I have, I, I think so highly of you that I'm willing to look past uh, those transgressions, <laughs> but uh, but I think we'll get through, through this anyway. But um, I, I wanted to take a second and just set the table for the Moneyball Benefits podcast and why we're using the term Moneyball. For those of you who are not familiar with the term Moneyball, Moneyball was taken from a book written back in 2003 by Michael Lewis that tracked the performance of the Oakland Athletics in Major League Baseball and their unbelievable success that they achieved through using an analytical approach to assessing talent. The book really centers on a, a concept that I know Bob deals with every day and I deal with every day when I'm out working with employers is that business is an unfair game. And the Oakland A's and MLB back in the early 2000s were an extraordinarily small payroll team, small budget team relative to the other teams that they had to compete against. So in order to, to compete in the unfair game, they had to figure out how to be more efficient than other teams. Every dollar they put on the field had to deliver a return on the investment. They did not have the funds to make big mistakes when signing talent. So what they deployed was a, a was an analytical approach called Sabermetrics, where they essentially looked at certain stats to identify undervalued talent. And what they found essentially is that the most important stat in baseball is how many bases do you get per plate appearance? It wasn't RBIs per se. It wasn't home runs per se. It wasn't batting average. It wasn't fielding percentage, but it was how many bases do you touch per plate appearance because runs win games. And what they found was that Major League Baseball was incredibly inefficient in buying talent to win games. Uh, they'd spend money on people who could sell jerseys. They'd spend money on people who had the right, I'm using air quotes right now, the right look. Uh, they were talking about things like five tool players, all of which relied heavily on the subjective analysis of baseball scouts. So what the Oakland A's did was they cut through that subjectivity using statistical analysis, and they were able to achieve incredible things. And I, I'm sure Bob would e echo this sentiment but when we're out working with our clients at One Digital in the small employer market to the mid market, call it less than 2,000 employees, most of the businesses we work with would tend to empathize more with the Oakland A's and their budgetary constraints than, say, the New York Yankees or the New York Mets and their, uh, I would say, grotesque spending habits, Bob. No, no offense. But um, most of the businesses we work with would de definitely tend to empathize more with competing against much larger companies. So what's really important for our clients to understand is that 
they need to be efficient. They need to understand what the return on investment is for every dollar they, they deploy. Now, we're going to talk a little bit today about what that return on investment should look like. But generally speaking, when we work at One Digital, we work in human capital management consulting. We're talking about benefits. We're talking about HR policies. We're talking about retirement and wealth. We're talking about property and casualty. We're talking about things that impact employees generally on the job site in a manner that turns them into loyal advocates for your organization and puts them in a position to be as profitable as possible. But what we want employers to be thinking about is, are we spending money appropriately? Do we actually know the return on investment we get when we implement a certain program? Are we actually on top of tracking the role that our benefit offerings or our, or our HR policies or our wealth and retirement strategy uh, plays on turning, say, a one-year employee into a two-year employee? So over the, the next course of, you know, we're still trying to figure out how many episodes of this we want to do, but I think that this is going to be a, a series that we that we stick to because it's so important right now due to the, the uncertainty out in the general economy. But today, what we what Bob and I want to talk about is what should employers and employees alike be thinking about to be as efficient as possible with their dollars in assessing their benefit plans and assessing what's delivering that desired return on investment. So Without further ado, I, I want to get into this conversation, Bob. You know, when we were planning for this podcast, you you had a great idea of saying, "Hey, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, what employees should be thinking about when it comes to benefits and and how they can be as efficient as possible with their dollars?" We know right now out there that people are very concerned about their personal finances. Interest rates are really high. Debt is heavy right now. We're, again, we're all waiting with bated breath to see what happens with the economy over the next you know, 12 to 16 months, 12 to 18 months. Um, so right now is a time to be smart and efficient. So you brought up a great example of um, subscription services and being aware of how much money you're putting out into the world right. with things on your credit card. So I want to start there. In just in day-to-day -day life, you give this example of going through your credit card statement to find where all of your wasteful spending may be on things you don't even know what you're spending about. So share some th thoughts there, sure. Bob. Uh, uh, just in day-to-day -day life, how can we be maybe a little bit more efficient in our, in our personal spending habits out there? Yeah. And, and how do things change, Scott? I think you teed it up well as far as with Moneyball and different teams. And yeah, I, I really think it's interesting from the employee lens to look at this and understand, are we being efficient? Am I as a an employee, business leader, am I being efficient with the spend? And one of the examples we talked about, and there's a lot of apps out there that actually look to sniff out everything that's recurring on your credit card and say, hey, do you still use this? So we're certainly in the day and age when it's very easy to click and subscribe. And a lot of times TV is a good example of that music. So I'm sure plenty of people listening now are listening through all kinds of different services and they on their phone have anything from Netflix and Showtime and Spotify and HBO Max, everything else. And, and how do you look at it and say, you know what? My station in life maybe changed a little bit. Maybe I have a young family that's getting a little bit older and maybe some subscriptions in my personal life we don't really use anymore. You're a consumer. So you're working, if you're an employee working for an organization, or you're a business leader or a business uh, owner who's delivering value to your employees through benefits, 
and we'll get into that what that means in a few moments, is how do we cancel some of the waste? Cancel what's no longer being needed? And how do we help our employees understand that? Certainly generations will look differently at some of the benefits and even out over time. While your generation won't change, your station in life certainly will. So very early in your career, maybe the concerns of that dollar you're spending, maybe it's more toward repaying student loans. Maybe the types of benefits that you purchased early on. I'm going to get the the voluntary accident plan because I'm a weekend warrior and I'm playing in three or four different pickup leagues and I got to make sure. And maybe things have changed. Maybe it's realizing, hey, maybe I have to start saving for college for my own children. Maybe I have a legal plan that I've been using because, hey, I'm entering different stages in life and I have maybe some elderly parents or maybe I need to understand that I need to prepare a will, all these grown-up things that we talk about. But are we still in the right place? Are we still in the right place as a consumer to make sure that we're canceling the waste? So you know, often at times, making sure that we're being efficient and we're kind of tuning everything up to make sure that even the plans that we're, we can, we can drill into this now a little bit and come back to it later. Often in the workplace, when your employees, and I heard some crazy stat around this, they spend something like 90 seconds to actually decide upon their benefits, open enrollment. And maybe I'm just picking the dollar one PPO plan and realizing maybe I should be in a health savings type account and putting money in for myself. So we'll dig deeper into that today. But I really think on the employee lens is what can you do as a business owner or a business leader? What about holding benefit tune-ups for your employees? Making sure everyone's efficient, that they're not leaving money on the table. Are they putting money in their 401k plan, at least up to the company match? Or are they leaving money on the table? Are you as an employer getting the value for that? Are they using their plans like FSA plan or commuter benefits efficiently? And as a company, where are you getting that mileage? Where are you getting the the positivity in, hey, we deliver great benefits. Maybe it's company match in the 401k, company paid benefits, life insurance, disability programs, leave programs, PTO, perks. How do you communicate that to your employees? So it's not just making sure we're canceling the waste and making sure that it's a tune-up like you would for your car, that employees are being efficient with their dollar. But how is an employer How do you make sure you communicate that value proposition to them? Because you're spending an awful lot of money on benefits. And let's make sure it matches where the employee is at their station in life. And periodically, let's revisit and help them. Maybe you even hold a benefits tune-up event outside of open enrollment. And maybe you have with the HR team, hey, come on in, whether it be a breakout room or something else, and do kind of a tune-up. You know, IT has it with their phone. Hey, bring your devices in. We'll help you tune up your company laptop or your iPhone and make sure it's efficient. Hey, why don't you bring yourself into a benefits tune-up and make sure you've got the right value and you're still efficient, especially in these economic times we're in now. Well, well, Bob, I think you you raise a a bunch of great points here. I want to I want to dig into this uh, this idea of the the benefits tune-up real quick. You know, it's it's one thing for employers to invest a ton of money in a benefit platform. We know that year over year benefits are going to be what number two, maybe number three on the list for, for expenditures. 
for uh, an organization. So we know companies are big and small are spending a huge portion of their budget offering benefit programs. But you and I are out there a lot. I think when when we walk into opportunities, we 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 win a new relationship. We often see that the investment is really strong. You know, the employer is putting the money down, and they're and they're they're wanting to do the right thing. But where it falls down a little bit is on the communication strategy and really really developing a thoughtful approach for getting employees to understand what's being offered and understand the value. You know, I, I use myself as an example. I remember um, you know, when I worked for a law firm before I came to One Digital. I'm, I'm one of the few employees at One Digital that had a life before benefits. You know that uh, <laughs> that that where I remember not knowing much about this stuff. And I remember going to talk to my my dad about the benefit plans that were offered. And and my dad using the old school logic of copays and low copays, and you mm-hmm. want you want that protection, mm-hmm. advised me to go into the low copay plan. But I was you know 25, 26 years old, and I didn't utilize healthcare. Perhaps the HSA would have been the high deductible plan would have been a better option for me. But I didn't really understand it. So what do you think are the 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 methods, the best practices that have developed? In recent times, to really ensure that uh, that employers have the tools in order to, to put their employees in the best position to understand the benefit offering, to make that informed, objective decision. So, great question. So, you, if you put yourself in the realm as a business owner, business leader, executive decision maker on things like benefits, I would encourage you. Step away from it and think about everything else in the world that your employees as human beings, how they understand and how they learn today. So some simple examples that I always preach to our teams about, you get a shiny new iPhone, you open the box, there is no instruction manual. There's not a little piece of paper. Usually it's not even with words on it, usually diagram. So what button to push and turn this on? whether it be an, an iPad or an Apple Watch or anything else. And oftentimes I watch my own teenage children consume information and learn on items like YouTube. And they learn differently. So as an employer, and I think Scott, your example with your, your dad sharing some of that, yeah, that's kind of how I grew up in this space a little more than 20 years ago, where we, yes, there are some compliance items like SPDs and SBCs that you're going to say, Bob, but I have to give it out. Of course you do. We get that. But you talk about some of the questions you're asking as to how do we get in the right plans? Well, let's meet employees where they are. And if they're learning and consuming information differently than a let's sit side by side in a room, open enrollment once a year and learn about the benefits, that no longer works. So we've employed a lot of good strategies in the course of the year, often during and outside of open enrollment, some bite-sized pieces. And I even call it the Netflix effect, where I just want to learn about, for example, pharmacy. I remember Scott was saying during open enrollment that we've got this pharmacy benefit, but I can be efficient and I can actually use things like mail order and I can price comparison shop or I can choose different tiers of medications to save some money. I remember it vaguely, but I don't exactly remember it now because now we're at a month in the year, which is many months after open enrollment. And I forgot. So as opposed to re-watching the entire open enrollment presentation, called the Netflix effect. I want to watch season three, episode four on pharmacy. And I can have a 90-second soundbite to re-educate myself. So there's a and a, we use these tools every day through many technologies to really help communicate and also decision support. 
there's a lot of tools that as an employer that I know we've been using with our clients quite a bit that really helps that employee model. What is their station in life? What are their needs? What's important to them? And often it points through decision support technology and some is AI and the algorithms that's able to really say, you know what, Bob, based upon what we've learned about you in this simple input, there's some great solutions or some great output that you should consider in these plans. So I think it's, it's if you as a company haven't really changed your approach to benefits, I'm not calling it open enrollment. I'm calling it communication in general, ongoing advocacy, ongoing communication. It's time to rethink that. And this will help your employees hopefully be in more appropriate plans, or as we started with, less waste in the approach, because maybe they're asking the person next to them, hey, what plan did you take? Or in your case, Scott, asking your dad, hey, what plan should I be in? And you're realizing maybe over time that as you put money to HSA account, it grows over time and you've got that nest egg for when you need it for the future. So, so if we were going to sum up this conversation from an employer perspective, when you're thinking about your, your employees being in a position where, where they need to tune up their benefits, we want to make sure that they're, they're picking the benefits that deliver the most value to their specific needs. Right. It's one thing to make the investment in the benefit. It's another thing to be able to communicate that investment in a way that delivers value to the employees and and de and delivers that human capital loyalty and productivity and turning employees into promoters for an organization. It it's a different that's a different conversation, right? And and uh, and one of the things that Bob I've I've seen you speak before at at, at one digital conferences and address you know, so passionately is is this this need to understand demographics. But and and demographics all have different priorities. And let's let's stick with age for a second here first, because that's the that's a fairly straightforward demographic split. Um, we know that somebody who's starting out their career is going to have different priorities than somebody who's in the middle of their career versus sure. somebody who's at the end of their career. But one thing that has changed over the past ten years, just since I've been in this industry, is comfort with technology across all of those generations. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that that I've been very impressed with One Digital's engagement team is the ability to drive information through apps and place information on smartphones. It's one thing to say somebody doesn't know how to use a computer. It's another thing to say someone doesn't know how to use a smartphone. H how are you seeing employers engage the smartphone uh, to push out information to their employees? Yeah, I think it's it's meeting employees where they are because all too often, a lot of what we used to give out is flat. It is a PowerPoint presentation. It's non-interactive and realizing, I mean, in, in many homes now, there are less and less PCs and more mobile devices per capita. So it needs to be optimized for the phone, whether it be an app-based, whether it be something that your, your consultant, your broker is delivering to you or working with you with an internal app you have, but putting it in the palm of their hand where they go to the doctor at time of service, they have the information at their fingertips. People aren't gonna memorize the benefits or memorize the SPD, but it, making it mobile like their employees are. So it's really important if you haven't thought about that strategy before is, and not just for benefits, but everything in that ecosystem in the workforce. Do you make it easy for your employees? Something as simple as, accessing the building, accessing their PC, 
making their job easier. Maybe you're in a type of business that is maybe involved in manufacturing or something else. How are you training your employees? Are you training your employees who are operating, maybe it'd be a, a, a forklift or something at the physical location and you're throwing paper at them or watching videos as opposed to let's put it in the palm of their hand and make it more accessible. And, and that's really what it was. The attention spans, <laughs> whether we like it or not, are a lot shorter. All right. So we really have to make sure that we're using technology, using that smartphone, using that mobile uh, delivery to optimize that experience for the employee. Well, one of the things that that we talk about at One Digital all the time is 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 considering the whole employee, right? Mm-hmm. And and benefits, the role that benefits play in uh, creating that bond between the employer and the employee is, is important, but it's not it's not sufficient, if that makes sense. Um, there's more that goes into developing a loyal bond between an employer and an employee, turning that one-year employee into a two-year employee, a two-year employee into a three-year employee, and and really solidifying that relationship to the extent that the employer wants to solidify right. a relationship right. with a given employee. Um, but, but to your point regarding uh, uh, tying the benefits offering, and then all this other stuff into a, a unified location that's easy to act, easily accessible. I know a lot of the clients I work with offer amazing benefits in addition to what we traditionally call health and welfare or retirement sure. benefits. They might offer management training. They might offer the ability for tuition reimbursement. They may right. might offer the ability to get certifications in things like Word and Excel and all the Microsoft suite of services. You this this is an opportunity to tie all of that together, right? You know, and 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 put employees in a position to where they really see that they start to understand the full picture of the cultural investments that a company is making in a given employee. We work with clients over time, and a lot, and we talk a lot about even the exit interview. We'll talk stay interviews in a moment, but to that point, Scott. If the employee doesn't know it's there, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist, right. <laughs> so we get all the greatest things in the world that are in a locked cabinet somewhere. What's the point? How do we make it accessible? And again, bite size. We can push things with text notifications to your employees. And maybe every quarter you're pushing something out, whether app-based or, or um, uh, SMS-based, but make it accessible and communicate it. Hey, we've got these great programs. Do you know you can do your ongoing education, training, this, that, access to additional resources beyond the traditional benefits you spoke about. So, so Bob, every employer is aware of this right now. We're in this weird, mm-hmm. we're in these weird economic times where the unemployment rate is very low, right. but we know that there are there are still so many jobs out there that are not that are not filled right now. Which you know, using logic would lend you to believe that there's still opportunity for employees to move if they're not terribly satisfied with their current situation. Um, one survey that you drew my attention to that is that is mind blowing and is going to be complicated given this given this general economic climate is that uh, Care.com referenced a uh, conducted a future of benefits report for 2023 where they they found that 47 percent of employers are looking to cut back benefits this year. What does this mean, Bob? So it's a few things, Scott. I was thinking a lot about this survey and even sticking with the the baseball theme, 
I was thinking about even how early in COVID in professional sports, and, and this is, so as I'm saying this, picture this as you're listening to this as a business leader, as a business owner, think about the beginning of COVID, professional sports. Often they could not have fans in these stadiums, or at least early on could not, depending upon the, the state you were in. So revenue was basically down at the turnstiles, at concessions, at parking, so think of that parallel. How is, as a business owner, how is your working capital impacted right now? Scott mentioned everything about the economy to a bit with the open, uh, with, with the job market and everything else. But as a business owner, I'm thinking about my working capital, the impact, the interest rates, inflation. Most clients we speak to are impacted by these economic factors in the business that they're doing. So then you have entered this survey this care.com survey. And a lot of way to look at it is more of the recalibration of benefits. I wouldn't say it's in the way the survey kind of says it, you know, 47% Scott mentioned, 47% of employers looking to cut benefits back this year. I would, I obviously didn't author the, author the survey, but I'd look at it and say, is it really cut back or is it recalibrate? As we mentioned, some of the waste and where do we put our priorities? And as a business leader, if I'm concerned about the economic pressures we just talked about and the uncertainty, similar how um, franchise owners were at the beginning of COVID, my revenue's way down. I can't sell hot dogs and beer and parking. What do I do? I think we're seeing a lot of that recalibration happening right now and prioritizing. And, and I, I love how you teed up with the Sabre metrics part at the top of the podcast as to using data. And I know we'll get much deeper into this. But really figuring out, not just blindly going in and saying, the survey does say, by the way, companies are tending to prioritize childcare-based benefits and potentially a, a cutting or modifying, whether it be fertility benefits, commuter, health and fitness discounts, home office stipends, often things in COVID that were born as to how do we continue to keep people engaged and I think it's interesting as we return to either more of the office in person or even some companies more virtual, how do we leverage that and invest appropriately in the business? So, you know, I, I know we'll talk a lot about data, but just on that survey, I found it interesting as to we're at that time, I feel now. The job market, it's hard to reconcile some of that data with what business leaders are experiencing in this climate. And at some point, that's going to change. There's a lot, even in the last several weeks, about the pendulum potentially swinging a little bit um, more toward some return to work efforts with many companies saying, hey, time to get back into the office five days a week. So I think all of the these uh, highlights that are coming out now and that care.com survey is interesting because it just shows employers are looking to recalibrate with where they may maybe have been six to 12 to 18 months ago. You know, it's, it's interesting. You, you reference um, decisions that, that we're starting to see in the news with, with employers saying it's time to come back to the office. There's also the flip side where some small to mid-sized companies may see that move as an opportunity to differentiate themselves by not making that call. Right. Um, I think that recalibration is a really interesting term because in order to play money ball, you you always have to be reevaluating where how you're spending your money 
recalibrating the strategy, making sure that, 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 that again, you're getting that return on investment uh, that you're looking for, for every dollar that's outlaid. One of the, one of the challenges that I often hear from small business owners is what data am I using to recalibrate? How do I understand uh, whether I need to tweak my strategy? Can you, can you talk about some of the, some of the strategies that exist out there that employers are engaging to figure out where are employees placing value within my investments, uh, either culturally or in a benefit platform, or to your point, some of those uh, uh, parental benefits or mm-hmm. or, or um, uh, commuter benefits or fitness discounts. How do employers gather the intelligence to begin to quantify uh, what needs recalibration? So Scott, let's talk complicated first, then I will quickly boil it down to simple because I'm a big believer <laughs> in good. keeping it simple. So <laughs> if, if you think about even with, with sabermetrics and a lot of times, so it's just fascinating to me as a sports fan, how front offices of all these teams have more people in analytics than they ever have before. And a lot of times it was gut feeling. You'd have a GM, you'd have a couple of scouts on gut feeling, but all these advanced stats we talk about, it's basically, you think the insurance industry has a lot of acronyms. Well, when you look about sports with OPS and war and BIP and all these different stats, it's complicated. It doesn't need to be because we're not looking at data that way. So let's boil it down and make it simple. I would say in its simplest terms, as a business leader, using data, talk to your employees, survey your employees, don't guess what your employees as to what is important. So there's a lot of things that you can do. And if you haven't recently, I would do this. I would have actual employee surveys. Could be formal. Could be there's plenty of, of survey programs out there, engagement surveys out there. I know we as a company use one in particular on a quarterly basis to just gauge employee engagement and really understand what's going on. But it can be formal. It could be informal. Hold some think tanks with your employees and don't get all the like-minded people in the room. Often as leaders, we are guilty of sitting around a room with all very similar thoughts. And I think it's so important to have diversity of thought in the process as well. And having some of these think tank summits, get some employees in from different tenures, different stations in life, different locations, different departments, Get them around a room and just talk to them with no real pointed agenda. Like, I really want this answer out of you. So I'm going to frame my question in a way to get there and then sign off on it and say, our employees agree, but really just get feedback as to what's important to them and observe. As simple as that sounds, I, I know if any if you either uh, read the book or even watched the movie, I'm not sure it's in the movie or not, but there's actually a, a part in the book where Billy Bean, the GM of the of the A's, doesn't actually never used to sit in the stadium during games. He would run around the streets of Oakland, which I just think was so fascinating. It was actually so different than everything else he was doing with observing and looking at the data. But that was his personality. He couldn't be there during the game to watch. So I would say as a business leader, don't do that. Make sure you're watching. <laughs> make sure you're observing. But it's something as simple as that. Um, as a leader, the strategy, I like it's called walk the halls. And I actually at times put on my calendar time to quote unquote, walk the halls, no agenda, walking around, 
hey, Scott, how you doing today? What's going on? And not necessarily business, but just learning and understanding. Bob, I've had a crazy weekend, X, Y, and Z with, with this is going on or that is going on. Learning. So as a leader, it's important to use, we call it data. Obviously, we can look at all types of data, but often at times, start someplace simply. Walk the halls, talk to your employees, understand what's important to them. Yeah, you know, I think it's a great place to start. And I'll, I'll tell you, it's it's been an interesting year uh, helping employers with some of these surveys where you know, you go into you go into polling employees regarding an issue, thinking you know what you're going to see, and then you're completely surprised. I, I was working with a company a couple of weeks ago, where um, no, the the benefit package was not the focus of the feedback. It was things like, I don't feel like I have a career path here. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't like my manager. Um, I feel like the company doesn't doesn't uh, 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 get, grant me the flexibility I need. And it was it was a real eye opening experience. And and at One Digital, um, you know, we we have this this great HR consulting side of the business that that can help employers uh, right sizes. But the thing is that you know employers walk into this thinking they're going to hear one thing, and often they're surprised by what comes back. Has that been your experience as well? Totally. And I think a lot of this you can frame about. Even thinking, keeping your best employees, it's so important. It's such an asset in every business, keeping your best employees. And you mentioned earlier, Scott, employees, they're in their stay, which is interesting because years ago, frankly, now generations ago, when someone would work for an employer for 40 years, they'd get their gold watch, they would retire. It's so different now. So it's how do we keep the people that are good, that we want to be part of the future, how do we communicate in both directions? Like, how do we get not just get the most out of the the employees while their stay is with us, but how do we show them value to bring them along in their careers? And at least acknowledging it's probably not going to be a forty year career, but if they're if we're together for five years, how do we make this process beneficial in both directions? Um, we, we talk a little bit about identifying it's not a number per se but back to baseball your your core four if you will who in your team maybe it's the 25 percent of your team in every department every office every vertical that you cannot lose you just cannot lose and often at times in this concept of a stay interview scott which is really getting together with people on the team and saying listen you're a core member of our team and I want to hear from you. What's important for you? This is a stay interview as opposed to, hey, you just resigned. Tell me why, as opposed to, no, no, you're working here. I want to hear from you. And to your point, Scott, so often what you hear, what's important to them is not what we think as business leaders is necessarily what they want. I always say, talk to them and tell them if they are valuable to you, say those words, you are valuable to me. I want you here. I want them hearing those words. And so often at times when it's too late, someone goes to a competitor and we find out in the exit interview that there were simple things that we just didn't communicate very well, or frankly, even the conversation, say, what's important to you? You're important to us. What's important to you? So as a business leader, how do we keep our best talent, our best and brightest, identify them? And often it's communicate things that might not cost any money. 
it might just be having a conversation about, I see progression for you in your career. Here are ways we're going to do that. I want to identify what you aspire in the next five years to do. We're going to sit down. We're going to write down the skill sets that you need to possess to have that role in five years. And we're going to work together over the next 12 months, 24, 36 months to work on any skill set deficiencies you might have to get you to that point in five years. That costs generally zero. And all too often, we don't do that. That benefits not just the employee, keeping them loyal and engaged and, and working for this company, but you as the employer, you're bringing your best and brightest along and you're promoting from within, which is just such a great thing to do that we often don't think about enough because of the transactional nature of the workforce at times, especially the more entry-level team members. We we know, Bob, that to to instill a discipline of soliciting feedback, um, uh, asking employees, getting to know them, you know, asking employees what they value about working here at, right. at a given location, what they're having difficulty with. Asking for that feedback is one thing, but it's also uh, there's also a second side to that, which is you get the feedback, you hear people uh, telling you what's going on. What do you have to do with that when you receive that feedback? What, what, if an employer, let me put it another yep. way. If an employer solicits feedback, they engage, they, they set up surveys and then they don't stick to the discipline mm -hmm. of consistently reviewing those surveys, discussing them with yep. employees, uh, potentially acting upon those surveys. Sure. What, what could happen at a, at a work site if, if, sure. if you don't stick to the discipline? Yeah, it, it's, if that this makes is a sense. good it yeah. does. It's a good cautionary tale if you're not handling it correctly. I, I I think early early on in the COVID, and this is the first literally few months of this, when I think we were naive and we all thought this is a couple of weeks we're back to an office. I remember counseling clients about this and cautioning them: if you are asking questions that you, or getting a survey on things that you either don't have the ability to change or no desire to change, it is downright dangerous to solicit certain types of feedback. So like my, and back then it was often, hey, do you want to work remotely? And like 99.9% .9 said yes. And the employer said, that's great. Here's the survey. We're not going to do that. <laughs> so this is a good example to your question, Scott, on making sure we're using surveys, we're taking action on surveys, People will not continue to answer surveys if they feel the employers are not listening, if they feel it is not an open-ended nature in the process. It's very much trying to shoehorn the employee into saying something the employer wants. So it needs to be honest. And I always say it's such a great policy in everything. Be open, be transparent, appropriately transparent, and be honest. And simply saying, hey, we did this survey. We can do better here as a company. We have a deficiency here. We're working on that. Here's our five-step approach to do that. We're going to do A, B, C, D, E to work on this. Or if there's areas where our employees are saying something that we're unable to for whatever reason, financial, um, cultural, whatever, act upon, we're being transparent. Thank you for your feedback. We know that as a company, we know that 52% mentioned this. And it's on our long-term goals, but we can't do it right now. But here's how we're going to achieve that. There's nothing worse 
than blanketing people with surveys and then nothing changes. And it needs to happen at every level. This is well, something to- that we do as a company where we look to identify things on every level to where can we make change and truly act upon it. Well, to your point, it's uh, it, it, it's it's one thing to solicit that feedback, um, and to and to sometimes say, "Hey, look, this isn't something we can we can act upon," which happens all the time. I mean, I, you know, there are there are surveys that come, there are responses that may come back from an employee that's completely unreasonable, or or from a group of employees that are completely unreasonable. But explaining the decision making process is still better than making the decision to, to not adopt the unreasonable request and and leave people wondering what happened. You know, employees generally will give you the benefit of the doubt if you open up that door right. and let them see, hey, right. this is why this is why we can't adopt X or Y. It's got it's a relationship. Like the employer-employee relationship, it's just that it's a relationship. And you have to have that level of trust. You have to have that level of certainly of of inspiration in both directions. But looking upon it without that trust, the employee is not going to be a long-time employee, which does not benefit anybody in the equation. So I want to I want to wrap up here, Bob, by talking about um, by talking about competition and the unfair game, tying it back to Moneyball a little bit with the businesses that we tend to work with. You know, I, I spend most of my time with companies called between fifty and a couple thousand employees. That again, when you compare the internal resources that they have relative to a company of 30, 40, 50,000 employees, it tends to be much smaller. And, and the team that that is tasked with overseeing the human capital management strategy, including benefits, including retirement and wealth, are, are generally running 50,000 miles per hour. Right. They're putting out fires every day. The, the time to be strategic, to find the time to be strategic can be challenging. Can you talk a little bit about how One Digital tries to partner with companies that are that are running 50,000 miles per hour, they're growing, they're trying to compete against much larger companies. How can we partner with them to help them get started in establishing the discipline and hopefully adopting some of these objective strategies for being as efficient as possible with their dollars? Scott, I'd say there's two parts of this. The first part of that is with your leadership team, truly being honest with yourselves as a team to see how are we doing? I think that measurement is so important. I know Mark Zuckerberg recently mentioned that for 2023, uh, for Meta, this is their year of efficiency. So as a leadership team, really understanding where are we? What are our concerns? What are our budgets? What are our challenges? So once you really figure that point out and have an honest look in the mirror as to what that looks like, where do you look to invest? So what we do a lot with clients, and, and I often preach about this, before we get into too many specifics, just more generally first, is how do you improve your inner circle, both internally and externally? So what does that mean? We mentioned our teams internally first. Do we have the right people? We're investing quite a bit in our talent. What what do we have to do internally to make sure we have the right people internally to continue to drive this mission forward? What about externally? Externally, I'll give some examples in a moment, but first externally, who are your trusted advisors? Who is your A-team? Now more than ever, and as Zuckerberg calls the year of efficiency, do you have your A-team as your external advisors, your accountant, your broker, your legal partners? Are they giving you advice over the years that 
was pretty transactional, like, all right, do X, Y, and Z. And you're like, eh, I guess it's all right. But we need to be really sharp right now with our team internally and externally. So a lot of what we do holistically at One Digital is we're looking around the entire equation and we sit together as teams in different disciplines and really solve that holistic equation. Maybe it's HR consulting. Maybe our teams that are going deeper in the pharmacy end of the benefits. We didn't talk a ton today about the specifics and benefits, but our financial teams with our analytics within the actual benefits, the funding techniques, our retirement and our wealth managers, how are our financial teams, our financial planning teams, how are they impacting our uh, the employees of our clients? So if we look at this, and I would counsel as a, as a business leader, you need to look at the teams that you surround yourself with, both internally and externally. And if you're realizing that, you know what, I'm probably a little behind the curve. I'm not hearing innovative thought. I'm not hearing new strategies. Or frankly, they don't have the pulse of what's going on in my business. That is the time to look more holistically with the business and figure out, do you need to bring in resources that are going to help your mission to spend wisely on that? And then figuring out where do you take that? What level of engagement do you currently have now? What investments do you need to add in the future potentially? Some not, might not cost any money, but how do you look at your team's and how do you be honest with yourself as a leadership team as to here are our strengths, here are our weaknesses, here are these opportunities, and what do I have to do to move the ball down the field? So not a baseball reference, but how do I do that? So, Bob, as you were talking throughout the recording of this podcast, I've been taking notes, mapping out like the next 10 episodes. So I'd hope you come back and and join us again, and and maybe we can drill down into some of the specifics around prescription drug coverage, funding mechanisms, uh, uh, demographic analysis, some of the stuff that that you're actually doing out in the field to bring up objectivity to that recalibration in these uncertain times. So, I'd, I'd love to have you back if you'd be, if you'd be, be willing to, to do it. Uh, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed listening to your insight today. I hope anybody who tuned in today enjoyed hearing from Bob. I tell you, he's he's one of the the best I've ever seen. And, um, and we're very fortunate to have him as part of the One Digital family. Uh, Bob, thank you so much for your time. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Scott, thanks for having me. A lot of fun, as always. Thanks, everyone.